Now, Executive Suites with WPRI.com reporter Ted Nisi. Welcome to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. Always glad to have you with us. Later on in the show, we're going to hear from the head of the Rhode Island Israel Collaborative about the growing economic links between the two states and how his organization has been working to foster those. But first, I'm pleased to be joined by Patrick Brown. Pat is the founder and CEO of Rent Sons. Rent Sons, like rent, rent a car, rent sons. And we're going to talk about what that is. Pat, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, first of all, tell people, what do you do at Rent Sons? So we rent young adults to help you with odd jobs around the house. So that's like landscaping, painting, moving, junk removal, vent assistance, like anything for one hourly rate. I remember, I, I actually think I first realized you guys existed because from some like like signs you had in the on, along the roadside. So like rent sons and a phone number to call. Yep, that is our genius marketing. <laughs> Your little guerrilla marketing there, yeah. <laughs> so spell it out a little more for people so they can imagine. What kind of, are we, you know, people are familiar with hiring the neighborhood kid to do landscaping or something like yeah. that. Give us a sense, like, the panoply of, of jobs that you, you uh, b provide people for if someone needs the help. Yeah, we try to just do, like, really simple, odd jobs that a lot of professionals might not want to do. So that's landscaping, that's, like, weeding, edging, mulching, brush removal, um, cleaning, just simple, simple cleaning, junk removal, moving, providing like an affordable move in a U-Haul, and then uh, event assistance if they need help with events. But we also do snow removal, you know, put up your Christmas lights, like things that you'd want your son to do is literally <laughs> what the company is. So it's basically the things you wish your kid would do for free, but they're not doing so. You can at least hire somebody who'll do yeah. it like it. I always like to think we're a lot more affordable than a kid, right? Like we don't go to college. <laughs> you have to pay for our wedding. You know, <laughs> right. It's just 30 bucks an hour for whatever you need. So that was my next question. So it's 30 bucks an hour. Do you, do you vary it based on the job? Like moving a fridge is, is a lot of work versus... I don't know, mulching or something like that. No, I just keep it the same. Yeah. Just keep one hourly rate, two hour minimum, whatever Why? you need. I think just to keep it simple and transparent so people know like how much it's gonna cost. They have one guy two hours, sixty bucks, or and it's sons and daughters, so it's not just guys as well. But yeah, you know, that's why we keep it easy. So um, talk a little bit. You got into this like a lot. You were in college, and like a lot of mm -hmm. college kids, you needed a little money, and yeah, yeah. so you started to do odd jobs, and then it grew into this. Talk to me a little bit about the origin story of the company. Yeah, basically, I was 18, trying to find a way to pay for college, like every other kid. So I just knocked on every door in my town. URI, right? Yeah, you were, I was going to URI. So I went, grew up in Little Compton, Rhode Island. Went to Portsmouth High School, then to URI. Some true Rhode Islander there. And um, just knocked on every door in my town. I said, hey, I'll do whatever you want for an hourly rate. What I really said was my first tagline was quality service at the cost of an allowance without the complaining of an actual son. That was my, <laughs> my first tagline as an 18-year-old. So I knocked on every door and I said, hey, I'll do whatever you want. And I was the least handy person you've ever met. I didn't know how to weed. I couldn't put a nail in a wall. But I would get to the jobs and I would just YouTube how to blah, blah, blah. And did you was, disclose that to these people that you like? I no, but I did everything very well. Did you? Okay. So, but I would do very simple jobs. <laughs> yeah. But, so I just gave it my best, and in that I was able to like make a lot of amazing relationships. I was able to make enough money every semester just to pay for school, um, and then you know I was able to see the beauty that these odd jobs were for myself. So I ended up. I don't know if you want me to go too far. Keep there. going. Yeah. So I ended up you know making enough money to pay for school, and it was like just a side hustle thing to pay for school and while I was in school I ended up randomly building one of the nation's largest water special effects concert tours. Yeah this is fun I was reading because I I've, I've yeah. did some pre-reading about it you were you were doing like the water cool water things you see at a concert. 
Yeah, so yeah, we like invented this touring holographic water concert called Aqua. We did a festival in Newport, we did a festival in Providence, I did shows with Tiesto in Vegas, like Chainsmokers, like all the biggest artists in the world for about three years. Um, and realized I hit the top, quote unquote top, for what I would like think as a 24 year old and ended up realize, realizing that there was a lot more to life and this wasn't the kind of life that I wanted. And so I ended How's up- How you mean touring and going? Yeah, I was, I was like basically living in Vegas most of the time, I was touring a lot, um, but I was missing like community, I was missing um, just my local church because I'm just a big church guy. I was missing my local, you know, coffee shop guy. I was just missing normal routine, normal eating, and I just wanted to invest in building a life that I could see like having a wife, kids, and like having longevity. And so I ended up bailing on the aqua altogether. And in this like moment of trying to have like self-realization, I read a bunch of books from all my favorite authors, my favorite world changers, world impactors, and wrote book reports in every book. And then I wrote my own book called Life to the Full by what I learned. And I, when I was reading my book, I was like, wow, I learned so much of these important skills through that rent sons thing I did in college. You know, I learned about interpersonal skills. I learned about all these different odd jobs that I, I was had no clue how to do before. I learned hard work ethic. I learned perseverance. Learned focusing, and I learned the sense of uh, community and how important it was that I was rooted in my town and knew my neighbors and felt like I had all these additional family members that you know I now still consider like family because I was with them. You know, when their husband passed away, when they, when their kids moved out, when the kids went to college, when the kids got married. Yeah, that's interesting. You saw, you found that you realized there was a lot more to it than just the the nail in the wall, the mulching, whatever the job was. There was, there was, there was something. There was more around that as you reflected. Yeah. yeah so life is busy, right? Like we, everyone's busy. Everyone's trying to like hustle. Like that's just the New England mentality, right? And so the way to interact with people in the busyness is to go help them around their house. So I think about it like LinkedIn, right? Like if, if I wanted to get coffee with you, right? Like, or even I wanted to get an interview with you, right? <laughs> We're gonna spend 15 minutes talking, then he, you know, your next guy's gonna come on, I'll see you later. But if I really wanted to get to know you really well, I'd help you move into your home, I'd help you weed your garden, we'd spend eight hours together. And I'd get to know all about your life, what you care about, you'd be able to share advice about your career and my life, and if I wanted to become, you know, doing what you're doing one day, like you'd be able to inspire me so that I could see myself as you one day. And so I wanted to have that for other young adults because I don't think young adults are really connected a lot of times to people like potentially like you or that could really change their lives. You know, so. so it's partly so for you see a benefit for the uh, along with just the monetary benefit of, of making some money, mm -hmm. having an income. You also see a benefit for the young people who, because I, I assume it's generally young people who are your uh, workers. Or maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah, but that they also make uh, connections out of this. Yeah, our hope is to provide the best transitional job ever. You know, the idea is that when you're in between, you know, you, there's a couple different routes you can go. You can be a waiter, you can babysit, you can go and rush into a job that you don't really want. You know, so we're saying like, hey, come work for us for six months, year, whatever it is, and use this opportunity to make money, build your own schedule, and then also get connected to your neighbors and being able to really network and also building personal and professional uh, connections that could potentially change your life. Like for example, I moved a lady's lawn furniture in Little Compton, Rhode Island. I got paid 15 bucks for it. Okay but her son ended up managing Tiesto, who ended up connecting me, and I ended up, Tiesto ended up hiring me to do 10 shows in Las Vegas with him at the biggest club in the world. And it all came from 
Moving lawn moving furniture. Moving the lawn furniture. <laughs> so that's fascinating. So you, I, I can't get over the moxie you had to knock on everyone's door and say, hey, do you need any odd jobs done? I'll do it, knowing in your head, like, I've never, I've never nailed things in. I've never, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, had, yeah. you had a certain level of confidence to go out and do that. Yeah. You know, I was just, I just needed it, honestly. <laughs> I think that's like the big thing skill I have is when my back's against the wall, I perform really well. Um, so I just had no money, no way to pay for school, and it was drop out or knock on every door and go make it happen. So uh, that's why I say college taught me was it taught me how to make money. That was like the main skill that I got. And now they want you to donate some of it back. I'm sure you're right. All right, stick with us. We're (laughs) going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk more with Patrick Brown about Rent Sons and the future of the company. Stick with us on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. Later on in the show, we're going to talk with Avi Neville about the Rhode Island-Israel Collaborative and what they're up to on uh, economic links between the two countries. But right now, please continue the conversation with Patrick Brown, founder and CEO of Rent Sons, uh, which is uh, they do odd jobs. They have a website. They've uh, People go on there and they just say, I need somebody to do it. Actually, yeah, tell people exactly how it works. Let's say someone's watching. They're like, actually, I'd love to get someone to move that thing in my backyard that's been sitting there and I haven't been sure how to do it. What would the process be? Yeah, all you have to do is go to rentsons.com and click rent. From there, there's a job request that you can put out You know, with, for landscaping, painting, moving, junk removal, event assistance. You tell us about the job. The next thing is tell us who you are. You put your credit card in for, we don't do any charge up front. It's just a way to you know, book that job. And then once the job's done, it's just $30 an hour per person. Your local community builder will give you a call and make sure everything went well. As long as it did, we just run the card. And your community builders, those are the people you kind of have geographically who are watching over each geographic region for uh, the area, see how things go? They're kind of like the pioneer of their area. They're the ones that really go out and build their local community and local business. And what happens on the back end? So they they type in, I want the thing in my backyard moved. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'd like to hire somebody. What happens on your end at the rent sun side of things? Like, does it, is it like Uber and just everybody sees it on their app and somebody grabs it? Do you guys farm it out? How do you take care of that? Yeah, basically it comes into our scheduler. Her name's name's Catherine. She's wonderful. And she just sorts through the details, asks any additional questions if need to via email. And then she, uh, all the sons and daughters have availability on an app. So then we just pop the job on based on their availability, skill set, you know, pair them up appropriately, compare it to other jobs, and then from there, um, they know what to go, they know what to do, they get to the job, they clock in, they do the job, and they leave, they clock out, you know, and then we bill based on that. Have you found it easy to recruit people, the, the sons and daughters, the workers, have you found it easy to bring people in, have you had to go out and find them? Yeah, I think finding great people is the art to this business. Um, because I think that's, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, is like how great they are. So we have our strategic ways as to how we get awesome people. Going out and them. Yeah, so <laughs> we definitely don't just take anybody. I would yeah. probably say like under 10% become a son or daughter that actually apply. Um, so we want to keep them and make sure they do an awesome job. So it's important to you that the P, you don't want to just send anybody out there. Uh, it's no. branding-wise and for the reputation yeah. of the company. Yeah. yeah, like we want to put our best foot forward. You yeah, know, and we're really strict. You know, and make sure that we uphold that quality. Um, so what's uh, have you had any like amusing jobs people have asked for? Random ones or things you know that you truly odd jobs like you only see them once in the grave. I'm yeah. sure you get a lot of I need shoveling help, I need moving help, etc. But what are some like unique ones you've gotten? We had like an article written in. Um, a newspaper in Mansfield recently about all the animals we've helped. Really? Yeah. So we've we drive a, we drive a dog down to Florida every every year. We help 
Pink Floyd, which is uh, someone's pig, get in and out of that car to go to the vet. We've helped build a squirrel gym just for some way in yep. the backyard. So there's a the laundry list goes on and on. And one time I looked for a turtle for three weeks with a whole team of four to try to find the missing turtle. Did you find left. the turtle? Oh, that's that's a bummer. We yeah, still got paid, not, I assume. Yeah, we got paid. Yeah, it's not a, not a commission yeah, on that one. You want to be careful that on that. Yeah. Um, so how how do you what's the biggest how do you differentiate you because there's there's like national versions of this kind of yeah, task yeah. rabbit and things. How mm -hmm. do you how do you try to differentiate yours? Yeah, our big our big differentiating factor is you know you can have an app that you know does jobs or whatever like any kid can build that but for us like we are very relationship focused like we are there to build a relationship with that person ongoing and it's much more about serving and helping that person than it is about I'm here to move your couch and never talk to you again you know like uber you get the car shows up leaves you know like for us like we want to be your car driver for 10 years you know that would be like kind of the different mm -hmm. and so a lot of our branding a lot of our purpose a lot of our interactions are going to be more community focused and relationship focused versus task focused, which a lot of these other apps are. So, um, how how big has the company gotten? How much? How many jobs do you think you'll do this year? How many people do you have? And and what's growth look like going forward? Yeah, we're hoping to do eighty thousand hours of work next year. Wow. Um, we are. What do you um, think you'll do this year? I think this year we're like thirty-five. Wow. 40, so you think 000. it'll grow that much next year? Yeah. Yep. We have three X year over year. So. Um, and we are hoping to open 20 communities in 2020. That's our big plan. Where are you now? You're in Rhode Island, obviously. Yeah, so right now we're in East Bay, Providence, and South County, which we consider all of Rhode Island. Then we have South Coast, Mass, Cape Cod, Bristol County, and Boston for our main, our main areas. And then we just opened Charleston, South Carolina, which is doing awesome yeah. uh, about a month and a half ago. And so we have a couple more opening um, in Q1 of next year, and then we're going to be opening up to 20 for the whole year. So, do you think? Do you? I, I suppose for you, it's you have to find that person, the community builder, in even a faraway place like mm -hmm. Charleston, just yeah. like you did here locally, and then they're kind of building it up down there for you. Yeah, there's a whole like recruiting, interviewing, and training process that it goes, and then launch process that it, it, that goes into place. So, you know. So take it one step at a time, one community at a time, make sure it does really well, and next, the next, next. That's like how Walmart, Sam Walton said, he's like, how did I, how did I scale Walmart? I did one at a time. You know, so I just want <laughs> right. to think of it like that. And so. How big do you think it could get? My hope is to, you know, be a national to global company. Like, I, I was down in Florence, Alabama, like, walking around, and I'm just thinking, like, there's no need, there's no reason why there couldn't be young adults or just people in their community that are making money around their schedule or have in-between parts that need to serve for these basic jobs that a lot of times contractors and a lot of people don't want to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're attacking it for a national scale out. Um, but, you know, I could see it being global one day. I definitely have that vision and that ambition to do that. All right, well, we'll be keeping track to see as you grow in uh, 2020. 80,000 hours of, of uh, turtle searches and squirrel gyms and everything else next year. So that's a lot. Thanks, Patrick Brown. Thanks for being with us. Don't go away, though, because coming up next, we're going to talk to Avi Neville about the Rhode Island Israel Collaborative and what they're up to. Stick with us on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi, and now I'm pleased to be joined by Avi Neville. Avi is president and CEO of the Rhode Island Israel Collaborative. Avi, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you. So first, uh, get people up to speed. What do you do at the Rhode Island Israel Collaborative? Yeah, basically, we are a chamber of commerce, um, and it, our purpose is to connect Israelis and Rhode Island in business, economic, and academia, and research. So, so uh, and anything that's academia, research, and business, 
if you can be the matchmaker, help them to go work together with her. The matchmaker, yeah. yeah. And so Rhode, does Rhode Island, how, how many links does Rhode Island have with Israel? You know, there are obviously much bigger states that yeah. would like to be tapped into yeah. the hot Israeli economy. Yeah. You'll be surprised. There's a lot of links going uh, in academia and research, uh, even military uh, companies in Rhode Island sell to the Israeli military, but also um, professors that's traveling back and forth, joint research that's going on. So yes, there's quite a few, and companies that sell to each other. So um, your organization, as you said, like a matchmaker, are these, do all the states have these? Is this common, or uh, is it unique that Rhode Island has one? Well, I think Rhode Island, like every state, we are the smallest, so we are the smallest uh, state to have one. Uh, I think most recent, typically the big states have them. Yeah. California, Georgia, New York, um, Chicago in the Midwest, they have one. Uh, but we are kind of the smallest one and quite active. So, yeah. it's, it's so talk, tell me sort of the origin story. How did you, you, are, you were born and raised in Israel. That is uh, correct. Right, and came here, yeah. I believe you said you came here for four years and you haven't left yet. Yeah, 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so how did you get involved in this work as, yeah. as the Rhode Island Israel yeah. matchmaker? So when I came here, as, as you know from our previous uh, interview many years ago, uh, I joined a company in Rhode Island. I bought the company and I sold it. So uh, when I had a little bit more time, I wanted to do something that would be more meaningful in a volunteer capacity between a subject that's close to me, and Israel and Rhode Island was a perfect one. So I started to get involved in activities between Israel and Rhode Island. I helped the state to take the first trade mission, the second one, the third one, and that kind of was a trigger for this organization where people asked me why we don't have a chamber because we start to have more activities, and it's like, Okay, I'll do it. And it's like, I volunteered to it, and it's like, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, now it's so, consuming. But since then, it's, it's, it's great. I, I love it. Uh, we all volunteers. Uh, uh, even day one, when I called a bunch of people and say, hey, we need, need you on my board, and I was surprised. Everybody said yes, which is usually people run away. And, and because it's a win-win cause. So it's good for Rhode Island. It's good for Israel. Rhode Island is uh, unknown in Israel to most people. Uh, it's small, and... Uh, but it have a tremendous opportunities, and every time we bring here an Israeli guest, uh, they were just shocked to see all what we have in academia and business. Um, and the RI Hub is a good example. We had a blockchain uh, and cryptocurrency. So just to pause, yeah. just to get yeah. people up speed. So, sure. uh, so the state, people might remember they voted on a bond, $20 million yeah. for innovation right. campuses. The state asked for applications. Right. One of them was, was this use of this thing, Rhode Island Innovation Hub, iHub. And it came partly, as you, you're, and I want you to tell the story, from work you guys had done. Yeah, well, we heard about it. And uh, in 2017, our sec second event was on blockchain and cryptocurrency. We brought the CTO of IBM AlphaZone, which is only at that time uh, accelerator for IBM in the world. Uh, and usually when we bring someone for a conference, we have meetings. And we thought it would be a great idea to connect them with Brown, with Commerce Arai. And so when uh, Ronan Simanto of the CTO was here, uh, we took him to meet uh, Secretary of uh, Commerce Stephen Pryor, the people at Brown University, other people. And we felt that, listen, here is your opportunity to go. And they just did it. I mean, we, we, we can be proud of putting them together, but really they made it happen. Mm -hmm. And it's up and running. As a matter of fact, last week they hired the first 
executive director, and I'm sure now it will be more published and build its identity. So th that's it's interesting because you know you think of how business happens. You know, you just think a company is founded, it grows where it grows, and everything. But it, it, the matchmaker element of, for you guys really does can make a difference in yeah. it's somebody making a decision they might not have otherwise because they just didn't know about it. Right, uh, and that's that's a key. You have to have uh, volunteers. You have people that spread the world. Uh, our board members, other people that help us, and since we're building goodwill with both countries, uh, it's easy for us. Today I got an email from someone, it's interesting, he's from Rhode Island, he's in Europe now, but he wants to do something with Israel, and coming back to Rhode Island and do something with Israel, so the word is out there, and sending, okay, give us a little bit more information and we'll uh, help you. So it's people know about the organization and we're helping so it's, and then it's I assume like strength builds on strength yeah, you have some success absolutely. people care about it you mentioned earlier and I'm always fascinated by these uh, you've been on several trade missions mm -hmm. and this is when Rhode Island economic officials often the Commerce Secretary mm -hmm. and others go to another country right. Israel in this case um, there have been a couple of those you know wh what happens on those and have mm -hmm. you seen tangible results from from doing those? yes absolutely uh, in my previous life when I had my company, I developed the international business. And we brought it to around 80% of our business. Um, we were a small company in Central Falls, sold all over the world. And the reason I traveled all the time, because you have to be with your potential customers. So if we try to attract people wherever and around the world, you have to go and see them face to face. Emails are nice, but everybody gets a lot of them. So yes, we took three missions and they were extremely successful. Not only successful, people come with business contracts, um, and they develop relation and um, um, yes and, and some even some companies that came on our mission uh, to Israel because it's a unique place a lot of the R&D for US company is done in Israel mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. HP and others and there was a Rhode Island company that tried to go and work with a US entity here they were able through the mission to go to the R&D center in Israel work with them and then through that get the business here so um, because there a lot of innovation is happening in Israel. So, uh, you know, a lot of people watching today have never been to Israel. They mm -hmm. might just see it on the news. Mm -hmm. What do you think, uh, we only have a little over a minute left, what do you think is the biggest misconceptions about Israel for Americans? Well, I think uh, security. And again, even today is, is a tough day in Israel. Uh, but basically, everybody that comes with me on a mission and travel and say, wow, I feel so safe. I feel like... Uh, really safe and, and the dynamics of the place. It's just a place that's really have very high dynamics of business activity and, and it's, it's shown. It's all the startups. Um, so people love it and the food is good too. So. <laughs> that makes and sense. that always works with yeah, business Don't people. bury the lead. Yeah, the food. Yeah, <laughs> the food is always good. <laughs> all right, Avi Neville, President and CEO of the Rhode Island Israel Collaborative. We'll be keeping track of what you guys are up to. Thanks yeah. for joining me this week. Thank you for being with us. If you missed the first half of the show, we had on the founder of Rent Sons. Remember, you can catch every episode of Executive Suite on our website as well as our podcast on iTunes. See you back here next week on Executive Suite.